Howdy partners! Welcome to a return to normality for Acceptable in the 90s, the wrestling podcast that is to the current product what 1993 Raw is to storyline development. More on that later. We have a show to cover today, obviously, that is blatantly going to be better than that absolute shower of a show that was the 1993 UK Rampage because all of the really big stars, such as the new WWF World Heavyweight Champion, were needed for Raw, weren't they? Well, we'll find out soon enough, but before we can, it's our third instalment of the brand new segments to Acceptable in the 90s, it's Big Meaty Cool's Craft Beer Reviews, and for the next few episodes I am going to be focusing on the latest range of craft beers brewed exclusively the little and the first one I'm going with for this episode is from one of my absolute favorite breweries which is salt brewery and they have produced the little a casual pale it's um, got a very good color to it good carbonation uh, nice two finger head when you pour it it's brewed at a 4% alcohol by volume and it claims to be easy and crisp a quick sniff of that brings up hints of pineapple and tangerine, that first sniff. I will just have a little taste, so do please feel free to let the BPMs take over while I just have a taste of this. Well folks, um, for £1.79, I don't think you can go far wrong with that, to be perfectly honest. Um, I would not be beyond paying about £3 for that in the likes of Asda or Tesco. I think it's going to be an enjoyable episode if this beer is anything to go by. So, let's crack on. Like I say, guys, normal service has resumed. And you know what that means. It means that we need to talk about the most fun of all the days when you're a teenager in the 1990s. That's right, folks. It's Saturday! The April 10th, 1993 episode of WWF Superstars emanated from the Charleston Civic Center in Charleston, South Carolina as part of their March 8th, 1993 tapings. Results are as follows. Making his return to the glorious shores of grappling, Hacksaw Jim Duggan defeated perennial King Pig's Bladder's favorite, Barry Horowitz, who is still patiently waiting for his WWE Hall of Fame induction. Papa Shango defeated David Clements. El Matador defeated the Brooklyn Brawler, who just like Hacksaw Jim Duggan had obviously made it over to Sheffield pretty sharpish afterwards. Lex Luger defeated Dale Wolfe. The Ugandan giant Kamala defeated Dwayne Gill. Bob Backlund defeated Anthony Howard. And in our main event of the evening, the world's most dangerous narcoleptic, Mr. Hughes, defeated J.D. Stryker. There wasn't a lot in the way of major storyline progression on Superstars this week, but Jack Tunney did pop up with the board's decision on the fate of Hulk Hogan's WWF title reign. After much deliberation over Mr. Fuji's protest on behalf of Yokozuna, it is my decision that there was an oral contract. 
Mr. Fuji issued a challenge, Hulk Hogan accepted. Furthermore, there was a WWF referee in the ring. Therefore, my decision is that Hulk Hogan remain World Wrestling Federation Champion. Yeah, thanks Jack, you embezzling tool. There's a featured match of Owen Hart versus Bam Bam Bigelow next week, which will be nice. And talking of Owen Hart, before we jump over to the New York portion of our broadcast, we need to hit the button that has the Rocket Owen Hart's theme attached to it as we cut to the Fox News Channel 21's newsroom to discover all of the happenings on this day in history on April the 12th, 1993. In sports, American Jeff Rouse swims a world record 100 metres backstroke in 51 seconds at Sheffield, England. He was obviously giddy from the UK rampage. Some people I've never heard of have died. You know about the movies, so blah blah blah. And the charts at either side of the pond are no different either. We are live from Poughkeepsie, New York this week for Raw, which is broadcast from the Hudson Civic Centre. Our three-man booth this week consists of Vince McMahon, the Macho Man Randy Savage, and uh, Rob the Knob Bartlett. Turns out somebody bought his ticket. Maybe Vince McMahon paid the airline off, like he paid off Rita Chatterton. And talking of paying off, our show starts with an interesting transaction between Money Incorporated and the Beverly Brothers. Here it is, guys, just like I promised. Now tell us everything you know about Don't the Steiner. Don't worry, it's tax-free. Let me tell you something. We wrestled the Steiner Brothers right here last week on Raw, and they think they're unbeatable, and they're not. Well, what about that double arm suplex? Oh, their suplexes are devastating. Uh -oh. That's why you gotta take their legs out right from the get-go, right from the start. Are they as fast as they look? They're fast. Look out for that Scotty, especially. He's quick as a cat. And I'm telling you, they're strong. They're really strong. Oh, their baby, their main move, their their finishing thing is that that Frankenstein. Oh, oh. Let me tell you, that? don't let it happen. If you get caught in that Frankenstein, Frankenstein. you're done. Well, how you stay over? Just you might have it. Sensational Sherry. Also joining us, Tatanka, Papa Shango, and a newcomer. Exactly. It's been a long time since I've been blessed, but I got blessed 
and everybody in this arena on Monday Night Raw is going to be blessed, except his opponent, and I'm talking about Friar Ferguson. Friar Ferguson, yes. he's going us making his debut. Here we go with the action. After the usual anabolic fueled nonsense, we get our first match of the evening as one half of the WWF World Tag Team Champions, Erwin R. Shyster, takes on one half of the hottest act on the WWF tag team scene right now, Scott Steiner. Before the match, IRS yells at the crowd that they have until Thursday to pay their taxes and send him the money they owe. You'd better do it quick, folks, or he'll murder your children in their beds. The match starts with both men fighting over a wrist lock, as Vince tells us that the Steiners want to be tag team champions. Randy rather helpfully comments that a singles victory for Scott would put the Steiners in serious contendership. But it wouldn't, wouldn't it, you fool? Scott catches IRS with a power slam, before IRS bails and takes a breather. The crowd is extremely vocal, which is great, it just adds to the enjoyment of this match for me. IRS returns and uses a drop toe hold, but Scott reverses and works a hammerlock on the mat. Scott now applies an armbar until IRS breaks that up with an elbow smash. Scott blocks a suplex and hits one of his own for a two count, then goes back to the arm. IRS slips out and regroups with DiBiossi on the outside. IRS returns and cheap shots Scott in the corner, then tosses him outside. DiBiossi clotheslines Scott and then takes off his suit and pants as Rick stands over his brother. We go to break and return with IRS in control. He hits a pile driver, then puts Scott in a chin lock. Scott escapes and they slug it out until IRS rakes the eyes. IRS hits a backbreaker before heading up top, but eats boot on the attempt. Scott runs wild and even uses IRS's tie for a neck snap, then hits a double underhook powerbomb, but DiBiossi runs in to break up the pin as the matches ruled a disqualification in 12 minutes and 5 seconds. Both teams fight afterwards, then the Beverly brothers run out and attack the Steiners. DiBiossi holds up Scott for a double clothesline, but Scott escapes and DiBiossi gets the double team instead. The Beverlys help DiBiossi to his feet, but he's not happy and we get a shoving match, with IRS getting knocked out of the ring. DiBiossi tries to pay off the Beverlys, but he bails and leaves with his partner. Not a bad way to start the show, really. IRS had a rare decent showing, and Scott managed to showcase his combined athleticism and power. Ted DiBiossi's white suit is gorgeous as well. The crowd are fantastic tonight too. Maybe it's just the acoustics of the building, or the way that they're mic'd up, but the crowd sound like they are having the time of their life here. The real story though was after the match with the Beverly Brothers turning on Money Incorporated. Since the Beverlys took the money earlier in the show and still attacked the Steiners, I wouldn't exactly call it a face turn, but it looks like we have our storyline for this week. Bartlett tries to be entertaining with the tax referencing puns, but he's awful and has no place being on TV or breathing oxygen. Match number two sees the Native American Tatanka step up to the original Goomba of Ooh-Ah, Skull Von Crush. Tatanka works over Skull as the announcers talk about how he is still undefeated. That's Tatanka, by the way, not, not Skull Von Crush. 
He hits some chops in the corner and then we see Donk the Clown in the aisle, who looks a lot like a certain mucky bummerl. Tatanka whips Crush into the corner a few times, then follows with a slam and an elbow drop. Von Crush manages some offensive manoeuvres and then they slug it out as Vince remarks that Fryer Ferguson will be making his debut tonight. Tatanka fires up and hits a few chops before the Samoan drop gets the win in four minutes. So it seems that Superintendent Chalmers' favourite wrestler is going to be sticking around to feud with Tatanka. I wouldn't mind that personally. But this match wasn't much to write home about. A nice paddy cap and a stickball bat would get Von Crush some respect around here though. Gotta want it. Chips! Gotta have beef, gotta have spice, need a little excitement. Snap into a Slim Jim. Oh yeah! El Nobador himself steps out from behind the desk to conduct a special interview between two warring parties. I'm very pleased to be here. Speaking of odor you got the special interview with a woman you saw for the first time at WrestleMania. Looks nervous. Please welcome Luna Vishan. Right. Oh, Bartlett seems pumped, doesn't he, huh? What's... Oh, there's... Whoa. I think they'll be very happy together. <laughs> Luna Vachon is truly one of a kind. As I believe Mr. Bartlett is going to find out. Luna Vachon, during WrestleMania, did everything but turn sensational Sherry loose. Hi, Luna. How are you, Rob Bartlett? Nice to meet you. Alive and awake. You let these people know, for those of them that don't know, I am the true woman of the 90s. The woman that erased the line between genius and insanity. The woman that has erased the line between beauty and beast. I am not here to debate and argue about many things, but I am here. Say the facts! Sensational Sherry! You're a witch! You're uh, not gonna start spitting up peace soup or anything, are you? <laughs> what a voice! Get you your hair I'm here to say what I have to say, not to listen to you! Well, we want to find out exactly what the deal is between you and Sherry. I mean, Sherry's not exactly the kind of woman I would mess with if I were you. She's, you know, a big... The only thing strong about sensational Sherry is her breath. Uh -oh. And you people know it. You can look at me. Strong, sweet, sensuous female. Strong, you sweet, sensuous. I will destroy her. Be careful, you might pump one of those veins. You got a point. You can't be saying that about Sherry. What are you thinking about? Sherry's... I can say what I want about Sherry. Yeah, you wouldn't say that to I her face, though. Woman. I'd say it to her face. I'll say it behind her back. I'll say it in the ring. Out of the ring. Anywhere you want me to say it, punk. Whoa! She got Le that Boris, right. check into it. Sensational Sherry happens to be here. Where is she? 
she comes! Sinset, whoa! Whoa, look at that look on Sherry's face, and what's gonna go on simmer here? Simmer down now, simmer down. Sherry. You know, I thought you would have a little bit more class than to bring this half-bred woman up to Monday Night Raw and disgrace the World Wrestling Federation. What is your problem? Well, don't get off with me. I mean, it's too late for her. Face it. I am abandoned from the wild, untamed future. A place that was before and will be again. I am the ultimate female of the ring. I am the woman that rules the squared circle. And I will wipe you all over the mat like a fine Picasso. Now come, hey! Whoa. I have stood up against bigger men than you will ever be, woman. Ooh, got a point there. And you want a piece of me, little girl? Well, you're gonna get it. Whoa, look out! Look out! Sherry! Sherry attacking Ludovichon! Oh, wait a minute, Rob Bartlett got in there, and he just lost his vest! Bartlett just lost his shirt! Look out! Sherry and Ludovichon going at it! Right here on Monday Night Raw! Oh, no! Oh, no! Oh, no! Suplex! Unbelievable! Sherry apparently had enough. Oh, what a right hand! Look out, the belt just nailed Sherry! Bartlett trying to break it up! And what's going on here? We got a cat fight here, Vince McMahon, I'll tell you! These two girls are going at it! Bartlett better get out of there! A court wrapped around. Oh, look at that! All over Sherry. Luna Bashan is all over. Oh no! What's she doing? She's ripping, she's ripping her trolls off. Luna Bashan trying to rip sensational Sherry's claws right off. Uh oh! Oh no! Oh no! are supposed to cool it. This oh, is, wait a minute. This is kind of exciting. Oh, no. She's out in the stands. They're going right out in the stands. Sherry. Luna Bashan stopping it. Luna Bashan in her big mouth.
<laughs> Let's keep that camera up, folks. And here comes Papa Shango. Oh, my goodness. Well, goodness me, that was absolutely mental. How did they get away with doing a lot of that stuff on TV in 1993? I have absolutely no idea. Sadly, I don't think this feud makes it to TV from an in-ring perspective, which is a shame as more Luna on my TV, especially from an in-ring work style, is always welcome. The baffling return of the Voodoo Master continues for another week, as Papa Shango looks to beat the ever-loving spoonful out of Scotty Too Tepid, Scott Taylor. Shango beats down Taylor as Vince tells us that the Beverly Brothers vs Money Inc. will be negotiating a match for next week. Shango stays in control as Bartlett returns with his clothes all ripped and then drops in front of the announcer's table as Savage attempts to resuscitate him. Shango uses a reverse shoulder breaker for the win. This was yet another visual excuse for Vince to plug anything but what's going on in the ring. But that tag match will be a banger. What won't be a banger though is our alleged main event of the evening, which is a blatant disregard of the Trade Descriptions Act. As the original Eater of Worlds and Buffet Tables, Friar Ferguson, faces the greatest technical wrestler that ever existed, Chris Duffy. Ferguson is portrayed by Mike Shaw, who at this time was most famous to wrestling fans as Norman the Lunatic in WCW. He lifts up a pad and paper attached to his robe that says Monk. He's undertaken a vow of silence, you see. Duffy shoves Ferguson a few times, but Ferguson fights back, sending Duffy halfway across the ring. Ferguson slingshots Duffy to the floor as Vince tells us that the Beverly Brothers vs Money Inc. in a non-title match will happen next week. Ferguson stays in control and hits a splash, but only gets two. Bartlett tells some crappy jokes as Vince laughs, but this match has sucked the energy out of the building. Ferguson stays in control, counters a sunset flip with a sit-down splash, and gets the win in 4 minutes and 22 seconds. Shite. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. WWF figures give you the fury of the hitman and the bite of the bulldog and the firepower Sergeant Slaughter. WWF figures hit sold separately, dig it? All right, we're back with our Monday Night Raw. And yes, Money Incorporated is standing by. However, before we go to Money Incorporated, next week here on Monday Night Raw, scheduled to join us will be the hitman Red Hawk for a special interview. Virgil squaring off against Razor Ramon. Easy for me to say what a matchup. It's going to be hot. The hitman right here on Monday Night Raw. Right. But ask these guys a serious question. Let's go now. Money Incorporated scheduled to join us. And gentlemen, can you hear us? Yes. Yeah, we what hear. about it? You don't seem happy at all. Next week, the Beverly Brothers challenging Money Incorporated. What about it? Challenge Money Incorporated <laughs> like we're supposed to run away scared. Yeah, we accept your challenge. Right we'll here. Advice. We have faced everybody. We beat Hulk Hogan and Beefcake. Oh, wait a minute. Look at this. They're going at it, Hunt. Here Brawl. The Beverly Brothers. Money Incorporated going at it. And now we head to my final thoughts.
it's hard to place what Monday Night Raw actually is three months after its inception. For the purposes of this podcast, it's actually been quite helpful that each show leading up to a pay-per-view event had an event centre update. As if Raw is all you're watching, you'd be missing a lot of what went on. With regards to WWF television, very much like the company itself, television is in a period of transition. During their first Glory Days period, storylines could play out on their nationally syndicated shows, such as Superstars or Wrestling Challenge, and their previous Monday night show for USA Network, Primetime Wrestling, served as more of a highlights package of the syndicated shows, with selected house show matches from the circuit, peppered with the occasional promo or storyline spotlight. While Raw changed the format of broadcast wrestling from the outset by being shot entirely live before a paying audience, instead of being an edited selection of pre-taped matches, the format of the show still feels like a slightly updated primetime, with most, if not all, of the storyline progression still playing out on the syndicated shows. I think this is what my biggest issue has been with Raw so far as you're still getting a lot of that syndicated show vibe, just with a slightly better presentation. The Jack Tunney segment from Superstars could, and should, have also been featured on the Raw broadcast in an effort to steer viewers to Raw as the place to find out what all the latest storyline progression would be. Something about the first few months of Raw that I have enjoyed, however, has been the short storyline ideas usually playing out over one or two episodes in sequence. These shorter segments of storyline have kept the viewers particularly gripped and have given us the likes of Ric Flair's WWF exit and heels like the Repo Man or Rick Martel being put in their place. These short-lived storylines will continue for a while and will bring some cool moments in the first year of Raw. For example, we are currently in the middle of a short tag team programme between the Beverly Brothers and Money Inc which should be decent. But saying that, what has happened to our Randy Savage and Jerry Lawler story from last week? Nothing was mentioned on Superstars or Raw this week, and from what I could gather from my research into it, it appears that this all led to a feud in Memphis instead, as everything I could find out online focused on Savage coming to the USWA to settle the score. So while the matches are out there to see, It would have been really cool for there to be a well-shot blow-off on Raw. But never mind. I'm still here for the show finding its identity, which it will hopefully settle into sooner, rather than later. Besides the start of the tag programme for next week, there's very little to write home about on this week's show. We we do get the promise of Virgil and Razor Ramon next week though, which will be a laugh. So Monday's Star of the Night goes to the Poughkeepsie crowd in attendance, who once again are an example of an enthusiastic group making the action better. The match of the night for me was our opener. Mike Rotunda put a decent shift in, Scott Steiner is an absolute star and we get some excellent one-show storyline progression. Highlight of the night blatantly was seeing my boys the Beverly Brothers get some spotlight on them. I hope they follow through with the match next week, 
as it would be a shame to bin off two storylines in a row. And ladies and gentlemen, the low light of the night is, was and will continue to be Rob the Knob Bartlett until he continues to leave. He wasn't too bad this week, but I hate him. So ladies and gentlemen, explicit bias wins. So this episode of Monday Night Raw may have been just there, but what was also just there, but in a positive way, was the April 10th 1993 episode of WCW Saturday Night, which was the highlight of the week once again. The show emanated from the Centre Stage Theatre in Atlanta, Georgia and was taped on April the 6th 1993. Results were as follows. WCW World Television Champion Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff defeated Jumping Joey Max with the Piledriver in 4 minutes and 1 second, before threatening retribution on Dustin Rhodes for originating the dreaded Paula Chant. Cactus Jack defeated Shanghai Pierce with Tex Lassinger in 5 minutes and 3 seconds in what was a mark of revenge for his interference in last week's match with Tex Lassinger. Jesse Ventura refers to the future Godwins here as Texicans, which was certainly something. He also uses this match to poke fun at Jim Ross, who was seen making his WWF debut over the previous weekend. I'm sure Jesse wasn't bitter though. Cactus Jack also made a challenge to face Big Van Vader on next week's show. Max Payne defeated Ron Hagen in 1 minute and 21 seconds with the Painkiller armbar. Arn Anderson then joined Tony and Jess to talk about his upcoming match on WCW Main Event against Mr. Two Left Feet, Eric Watts. Arn displays more of a tough guy babyface persona here as he switches focus to seeking an NWA title opportunity against Barry Windham, particularly commenting that he's still going to be dealing out punishment, but only to those who deserve it. Simply ravishing Rick Rude defeated Dale Diamond in 1 minute and 2 seconds with the Rude Awakening. I say defeated, he pretty much treated him like his personal punching bag. The general booking of him is based on an anger running through Rude for never being defeated for the US title due to injury, but he's now back and will destroy everyone on his way to reclaiming the belt from Dustin Rhodes, and I must say I am loving this side to Rude's character. The hype begins for Slamboree 1993, which will see the debut of the WCW Hall of Fame. I've previously reviewed this show with the amazing Andy from Bang Bang Podcast, but I will be reviewing it for Acceptable as well. Bobby Eaton and Chris Benoit defeated WCW's sexiest tag team, Johnny Gunn and the Z-Man in 2 minutes and 57 seconds. I know the man was a horrible double murderer, but I did like his leggings. The match had a cracking pace with Eaton and Benoit quickly developing some chemistry. Benoit won the match for the team with a pin, following the Alabama Jam from the legal man Eaton. More from this team please Uncle Eric. Big Van Vader appeared to accept Cactus Jack's challenge. Listen for the interview at the end of the episode. And in a well-deserved main event, Two Cold Scorpio and Marcus Alexander Bagwell defeated the Wrecking Crew, Wrecking Crew Fury and Wrecking Crew Rage in 8 minutes and 55 seconds. And if you don't watch this episode for the action, at least watch it for Marcus and Scorpio's dance routines. Scorpio hit Rage, or 
Fury, whichever one it was, with the tumbleweed to win it for WCW's answer to the London boys. After the match, Barry Windham comes out to talk about Arn Anderson behind his back. However, Arn was literally behind Barry's back and gave him a pasting to end the fun. Right guys, executive decision? Based on the Vader match alone, the next episode of Acceptable in the 90s will be a standalone Saturday special reviewing the action over in Turner Towers. As we approach Slamboree, I'll be having more of a focus on what's happening in WCW to get a feeling of events leading up to the pay-per-view itself. I just want to say a massive thank you to those of you that got involved in the Twitter poll during the new year that I put up, asking for what you guys wanted to see more of. 90s centric fun won the poll, so I'll have a little think as to what that would entail, but do feel free to send your ideas to me on Twitter, at One Man's Meat Pod. So guys, we are planning for 2023 to be a year where Danny and I look to build One Man's Meat in a much bigger way, and we have many exciting ideas afoot. We just hope that you'll stay along for the ride. But dudes and dudettes, until Saturday... Stay beefy, meat ciders. from Cactus Jack, and here he is, the world champion, Big Ben Vader. Challenges from Davy Boy Smith from Sting, and now from Cactus Jack. Cactus Jack, you fool, you idiot, you're dumber than you look. Who's the man? Who's the man that has no fear and feels no pain? Who's the man that owns the WCW? Every wrestler that steps in that ring pays with their blood, sweat, and their tears. But let me tell you something, Cactus Jack. You ask Ron Simmons who the man is. You ask Sting who the man is. You ask Joe Thurman who the man is. Because, brother, you're looking at him. The most powerful wrestler in the world today, Big Van Vader. You want me? You don't got to beg. And you don't gotta look very hard, brother, because all you got to do is show up next week, and I'll embarrass you again. Come on down, Jack. Get some more of this Vader. Get some more of me, brother. Yeah. Who's the man? Who's the man? Yeah. The world champion's the man, Big Van Vader. Well, I'll tell you what, Cactus Jack, if you've got any sense, you leave this man alone. He'll eat your scoop shovel. And I'll guarantee you next week, he's going to eat you.